We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week I'm talking with 10-time FFPC and Football Guys Players Championship League champion Craig Bodenmiller, who currently owns the 43rd place team in the 2021 FFPC main event, a contest that will pay out more than $4 million in prizes, including a $500,000 grand prize. In this episode, we discuss how he knew this specific main event team was special right after he drafted it, the new normal in the Titans' backfield, the expected chasm between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is 10-time FFPC and Football Guys Players Championship League winner, Craig Bodenmiller. Welcome in to the Thanksgiving episode of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. I am, as always, Eric Falkman, joined by the owner of uh, numerous best ball to FFPC best ball tournament first place teams, numerous uh, football guys, players championship first place teams this year, and the 43rd place team in the main event currently as we head in to week 12, the one, the only Craig Bodenmiller. Craig, welcome aboard. Hey, Balky. Balky, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the show. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I and it's weird because you play a lot of Dynasty, don't you? Yes, yep. I, I play quite a bit of Dynasty. I, I team up with uh, Brian Valente in quite a few of those Dynasty leagues and FBG leagues. So, yeah, we've we kind of dabble in the redraft and the Dynasty world. Yeah, and, and normally that's when I'm talking to you, right? Is is um, you know during the rookie, not you know prior to rookie drafts when um, we're waiting to see where all these teams go in the NFL draft. I guess the big question is here. Two years ago, how many Jonathan Taylor teams did you get? Because you were reaping the benefits of that last week, man. Yes, I got quite a few of those, especially on my my two fifty dyno teams, and even I think we may have them on our twelve fifty dyno team. But 
I, I know there was a couple of times we took Hilaire over him, and yeah, last week had me regretting that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could go for four touchdowns this week, too. Or, well, no, he won't this week since they're on bye. But next week he, he could, and you never know what's going to happen with that. All right, let's talk main event here. Um, so you drafted this team that's in 43rd place a couple of months ago. Did this feel, because you drafted several main event teams, did this, feel, did this one feel any differently, like this could be special or – or did it kind of just blend in with the rest and it just turned out to be pretty good? No, this is actually one of the ones that I, I thought had the most upside. And, and, and doing enough of these, if you do any sort of volume, you can kind of get a good feel for what teams you think are going to be able to compete without injuries. And, and this was definitely one of them, you know, being able to get Najee Harris at 211 and then, you know, at, at the 4-5 turn, getting uh, Cooper Cup and Mark Andrews and then, T. Higgins fell to 6'11", which that was the latest I had seen him fall in the main event. You know, I couldn't have drew up a better start. And that's weird that he would have fallen. And I can't remember exactly when you when you drafted this team, but there wasn't any news out there on Higgins, right? Like that that he would have fallen that far is just kind of luck of the draw, right? Yeah, it was it was right around the time, honestly, when um, Jamar Chase even started to get some negative publicity. So right. I was I was shocked <laughs> to see him kind of fall that far. You know, because in some drafts, he started going in the fourth round. Everybody was buying the dip on on Jamar Chase, essentially. And uh, they should have been buying T. Higgins at that point in the draft. So congratulations on getting Higgins there. That is awesome, man. Um, looking at the waiver wire. Um, and, and I guess we can extend this question a little bit. Um, but this specific team, were there any waiver wire heroes here for you, Craig? Were there any... Uh, anybody on this team that's really helped this team uh, stay in the top 50? I know it was the top 40 last week. Um, and then overall on your teams this year, um, who did you strike it rich with on the waiver wire? Um, with this this team specifically, it was Khalil Herbert. I, I, I know he was only, you know, pretty productive for two or three weeks with the Montgomery injury. But, you know, he produced in weeks, I think it was six through eight, you know, when most teams had heavy buys and heavy injuries. And the waiver wire was pretty thin. So he he came through pretty clutch at a important time for this team. And I would say another one for this team was Pat Fryermuth. Um, he's he was one of my rookie tight ends that I really liked. And I, I know in redraft he, they don't usually hit right away. But Big Ben, he loves tight ends, and it seems like he's locked down to him over the past five games. I think he has thirty some thirty some targets with twenty five receptions and four TDs. So he, he's a guy I'm excited for down the stretch. Um, Cam Newton is is a guy that you added off the waiver wire last week, um, and I know I did in a bunch of leagues too because I was missing uh, Matthew Stafford. That was fantastic to plug him in. I'm sure you were pleased with the output as well. Um, drop players now being locked in the FFPC. Is this a guy you got to keep on your roster the rest of the way, even if you have one of those, you know, like a top five quarterback on the season where – you know you're going to roll with um, that that main guy as long as he's healthy. How do you how do you handle Cam Newton the rest of the way in the FFPC? Yeah, I think down the stretch he's definitely somebody that that needs to be rostered. Um, with like you said, with players starting to be locked, there's going to be quarterbacks you're not going to have access to, um, and, and then the upside that he brings because he he does run quite a bit. Um, I don't think you're going to find that on the waiver wire. And you know, once we start getting in the crunch time, if something happens to your top five quarterback you're going to want somebody reliable on the bench that could produce you know high upside during the championship weeks um moving forward here uh you mentioned khalil herbert as as being a hero for you earlier in the season 
Uh, David Montgomery's back. Matt Nagy said, like, look, when he gets back, um, Montgomery's going to be our guy. And then, um, you know, sure enough, this past weekend, Khalil Herbert won carry on Sunday. So you look at him, um, and I always say, and I'm attributing this to Adam Krautwurst we had on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he says, never drop a running back. You know, tongue-in-cheek a little bit. But I think if there's some truth to it, and, and I think Khalil Herbert's one of those guys, like, you can't afford to drop him right now, but you certainly can't afford to start him at all either. Yes, I, I would agree with that. And I thought Herbert had played well enough that when Montgomery came back from his injury, you know, it would kind of not be 50-50, but, you know, maybe it was 70-30. He would still be somewhat serviceable. Um, and, and last week I did that shocked me that he only got one carry. But, yeah, he's definitely still somebody that you're going to want to roster because Montgomery is a very physical back. So you never know if he's going to get, you know, pick up another injury or something like that. So, yeah, you can't start him, but you definitely don't want to drop him either. And then if, if uh, Mon- Montgomery goes down, is he an automatic start for you, and, and at least as a flex? Yes. Yep, he would be. With the volume he was getting and, and how well he looked, yeah, I would have no hesitation plugging him into the starting lineup. All right, so we saw a kind of a weird um, game between the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans uh, this, this past week, uh, Craig. Um, Titans massive favorites and of course the Texans win the game now what's interesting about this is um, now since this game has happened the Adrian uh, Adrian Peterson has been waived by the Titans he's no longer a member of the team Um, you had Dontrell Hilliard lead the Titans in both um, snaps and catches and and I want to say touches too on Sunday over one of my favorites Deontay Foreman um, I don't know what we take away from this going forward with the Titans, but if you're picking up Hilliard, if you already have Foreman, what do you do with them uh, going forward now in Tennessee? Yeah, that's a very tough question because I was I was picking up Deontay Foreman wherever I could get him, even when they signed Adrian Peterson. I thought he was the one that had the most juice, so I thought Foreman would be you know not not fall right into the Henry rule, but he would kind of be the bell cow with McNichols you know, kind of getting the the pass catching downs. But yeah, I'm going to have to see one more game before I can make a decision. But Dontrell Hilliard did look very good. And, you know, maybe if he can keep up that kind of volume, which I doubt with McNichols coming back, um, that's just a complete avoid for me right now until that situation becomes a little more clear. Yeah, and I'm just looking at it right now. Um, and, and Hilliard, too, is, falls into the whole Herbert discussion, right? Like you want to roster him, but you don't want to start him. Um, Tennessee is currently a six point dog to the new England Patriots this Sunday, the Patriots defense, who is coming off that shutout against Atlanta. And I think you're right. Waiting one more week before you start messing around with things, especially, you know, with, with every lineup decision and roster decision you make getting amplified from every week here on out. Craig, that's another good philosophical question too. Do you change the way you start lineups, the way you make those lineup decisions now with so much more on the line? We were talking with Jerry Hooten on this program a couple of weeks ago, and he said his, and I think he's third in the main event right now. He said, look, you know, I'm basically locked into the championship round. I'm just trying to put up points. You know, I'm not going to do these crazy flyers to, to try to sneak into the playoffs. I'm just trying to put up points, do the best I can to position myself in the championship round. Do you take that sort of same adage in setting your lineups of, of depending upon where your team is, the philosophy might be a little bit different? Yes, it certainly changes. And even even last week with this main event team, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put up points, but I also wanted to secure the first the number one seed because there's, you know, payments for that as well. So you, you kind of go with high upside depending on what you're looking for. 
But now that we've got it locked in going into this last week, you know, we're just going to play the guys who we think have the most upside that could get us the most points because, you know, going into those that three week stretch, you want the highest um, average points. So, yeah, I think it just depends on, on where your team is at and what you're looking to do that for that upcoming week. But the process for you setting your lineups doesn't change, right? It's just the mentality of what that specific team, how you need to baby that team, right? Yes. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, so let, let's talk about Odell Beckham. Uh, he is now a Los Angeles Ram. They were on bye last week, and he did not um, – you know, we, we saw very, very little of him um, in that Monday night game and after, you know, two days of practice or whatever. So I don't think we can make any wide-sweeping generalizations about Beckham. However – we can make um, a, a call on what to do with Van Jefferson because we know the Rams decided to bring Beckham in. No Woods the rest of the year. Are you dropping Van Jefferson now or are you still keeping him around just in case? Van Jefferson is still somebody that I'm going to keep on my roster. And coming into the season, he was a guy, you, I know you were picking him up in the you know, very last round of FBGs and main events. And you know with Josh Reynolds gone and Gerald Everett, he was somebody I had very high hopes for. I thought he could be a decent flex with, you know, when Bimageddon happened and all that. But <laughs> over the past few weeks with his drops, he has been pretty disappointing, but he's still, I think over the past four games, he's got around 27 or 28 targets. So I think that he, that is going to stay steady. And I think he's still somebody you will be able to use as OBJ becomes acclimated with the offense. But yeah, I, I think he's somebody that I, I would still roster and, and potentially use if need be. And the, and the thing is, too, it's like if Beckham or, you know, God forbid, Cup, knock on wood, uh, were to go down, now all of a sudden Van Jefferson looks really good because he's the guy with the longest uh, or with the with the best chemistry with Matthew Stafford over Beckham. And now you're talking about Van Jefferson maybe being a top 15 receiver. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so going into the championship weeks, he's still – because, like I said, over the past four games, he was right around seven targets a game, and that was with Woods for three of those games. Um, so, and I think they're going to keep, keep him involved in the offense. And he's somebody that, yeah, I would, I would look to use down the stretch if I needed to. Um, are there any, you know, we talked about never dropping a running back. Are there any number three receivers like that? You know, cause Van Jefferson is essentially the number three receiver, uh, on that team. Um, uh, Josh Reynolds sort of held that moniker last year until Jefferson got his feet wet. Are there any other receivers around the NFL that, that, you know, if the lead guy or, or one of the top two guys were to go down? You'd be like, oh my goodness, I, I got to plug and play this guy. I think a Gabriel Davis, you know, in Buffalo would probably be one. Um, yeah. And but and and the Packers, I don't know because even if if Adams were to go down, they they spread it out so much. I don't know if Lazard or Valdez Scantling would be like that. But can you think of any others that that would be a guy that you want to make sure you keep around just in case that does happen? Yeah, and I've actually still kept this guy rostered in, in a few spots. I, I have dropped him. In a, in a couple, you know, if I get into a pinch, but K.J. Osborne is one guy that I think, I mean, he's flashed, he's, he's looked pretty good, but unless uh, Jefferson or Thielen go down, I just don't think that he's going to get the volume. But, I mean, he, this year he has look, looked very good and impressed me quite a bit. So, yeah, he's somebody that, you know, if I have a deep bench or if I need somebody at the end of it, I'll, I'll keep him there just because you don't know how the, you know, this three-week sprint and heading into the league playoffs is going to play out. So keeping guys with high upside is definitely something you want to do. Um, okay, so when I sent these questions over to you, Craig, I, I screwed up. The Chiefs are on bye this week, so we will not get any more new information on, on that team. But you look at what Clyde Edwards-Alaire did in his first week back off of injured reserve. 
He gets the bye this week. Is he a slam dunk start for you next week against Denver? I mean, do you just start him with, with you know, reckless abandon thinking, okay, they, they used him a ton right away. They're going to use him a ton again. Daryl Williams is, is just going to be a change it up guy or Daryl Williams is just going to be, you know, uh, you know, not serviceable in, until CEH or if CEH goes down. Are you starting him in all your leagues next week? Yes, I am. And, and CEH is a guy that I had quite a bit of exposure to just because, I, you know, at, at the end of the second, early third round or even mid third round, he was somebody I was targeting quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, this week I'm going to start here without hesitation because even the two games prior to his injury, I think he went over 100 yards. Um, I think he got injured in the Bills game. So obviously his stats there weren't that great, but I thought he looked fresh last week and pretty good. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to plug him in this week without any hesitation against that Broncos defense. Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing. It's like it's it's the Broncos defense, but anybody, any high-stakes players, if you drafted Edwards Alaire and you kept them around this long, you probably don't have another better option than him uh, going uh, into next week for sure. Uh, speaking of Denver, Javante Williams was a guy that was drafted as, you know, he was like the, the hype guy, right? Everybody wanted Javante Williams in, in draft season because it was just going to be a matter of time before he made Melvin Gordon irrelevant in that uh, Denver backfield. Now here we are heading into week 12 um, and it's still kind of a split, right? I mean, it's neither one of them. They both look good, um, but neither one has really separated himself from the other. Do you think we're going to see the separation that many people thought we'd see at some point this season with Williams, assuming the the one a role and well, I, I mean, not the one a role, but really the one role with Melvin Gordon settling in comfortably behind him, or is this just going to be a split all season? I think it's going to be a split all season without an injury. Uh, Javante Williams is a guy that I was I was fading for most of, the, of draft season, and he he's actually looked a lot better than I thought he would. Um, but I, I just don't see the Broncos' offense changing it up r- right now without an injury. I mean, Melvin Gordon in his own right ha- has looked pretty good, so I think they're they're pretty content on keeping it a fifty fifty split. And I don't think we're going to truly see how good Williams is going to be until next year. You know, just curious, um, when you say you were fading Williams uh, during draft season, was that more of – was that a commentary on Javante Williams or was that a commentary on what you thought he would be in Denver? Um, kind of both. There. Okay. Yeah, Michael Carter I thought was the the better bat coming out of North Carolina. So he was the one that I was targeting over Javante, and Javante was going a round or two earlier. Um but yeah, I, and I knew without them trading or releasing Gordon, I, I assumed that it was going to be a 50-50 split. I, I kind of had concerns that, you know, come the three-week sprint, maybe that's when Javante would kind of turn it around. I just wasn't willing to pay a fifth or sixth round pick on the hopes that, you know, during the championship weeks he would bust out. But so I'm going to get burnt if he does. So I'm hoping that they keep it a 50-50 split. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. As long as we're talking rookie running backs and kind of bounce around here, and forgive me, Craig, if I've asked you this before, but how much college football do you watch, and when do you start looking at potential um, players that, that might be going in the first round of rookie drafts in the high st- in the FFPC high stakes leagues for the for the coming season, are you always monitoring that, or is that something that you don't start your prep on until the new year? No, that's something I'm always kind of keeping an eye on. Um, I watch a lot more NFL than I do college, but I, I still do love college football. Um, and anytime there's a, a game on where it has you know somebody that could go in the first four or five rounds of the NFL draft, I'll, I'll start watching those games just to kind of get a in-person look on, on, you know, that player. That way it's not come February, March, April. I don't have all that ground to make up. So, yeah, it's so, throughout college football season, I'll keep an eye on it and monitor players and go from there. Do you have any favorites right now that, that uh, you're excited to see where they might land in the NFL draft after watching college football? Uh, I would say Robinson with the Texas running back. Um, He's looked really good, so I'll be interested to see. I I can't remember if he's a sophomore or junior, but um, he's somebody that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Um, I think another Robinson with Alabama's running back. Oh, yeah, Brian. Uh, Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I I definitely keep an eye on those running backs. It seems like the wide receivers um, are kind of hit and miss. Last year I was all about – I'm. I'm a Florida fan, so I was watching every one of Kyle Pitts' games, and that's probably why I love Van, Van Jefferson as well. But Okay, so this is interesting, Craig, that you say that. But Kadarius Toney was on that team too. What was your opinion of Kadarius Toney coming into rookie drafts? I Honestly, I did not like Toney that well. I mean, he was very talented. He was a playmaker. There's no way I would have ever drafted him in the first round. Um, but – and he always seemed like he was banged up. So he, I mean, he had the talent. He was a late breakout, um, but I just didn't have the confidence in him that I did in Kyle Pitts. Even though he would produce in college, it seemed like he was banged up quite a bit. Has that opinion on Tony changed for you at all? In other words, um, after this season, if, if if he kind of finishes out solidly, no, not even strong, but just solid, um, would you be looking at trying to 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 get him? Um, in your leagues next year? Because I know a lot of people faded him. You weren't the only one. There's a lot of people, myself included. I mean, I was getting him late in the second round in a lot of my dynasty drafts. And I was like, God, this guy's a first round receiver. I don't necessarily like him all that much. But at this <laughs> point, I mean, the upside, it, it certainly represents a time I, I, I would take him here. Um, has your opinion changed on Tony? It, it has. And I've picked him up on a few waivers, you know, in the FBGs and maybe even the main events. But so, yeah, he has impressed me quite a bit. Um, I, I, I kind of want to see what the Giants do with offensive coordinator and go from there. But, you know, depending on what his price is, yeah, he's definitely somebody that I would consider 
you know, later on in rounds because I, I think he does have high upside when he plays. Um, but I just want to see what the Giants kind of do on offense first. I don't know if you've placed your bids and checked them twice, um, but for week 12, for, for the FFPC main event, for your football guys' teams, um, has was there a big target for you this week, or were you just placing you know some small bids on on some depth pieces? How, how did you handle the waiver wire this week? I haven't placed my bids yet, but there's a couple of guys that I'm going to be targeting, and one you're probably going to be happy with is Scantling from oh, the yeah. Packers. Sure. Um, I, I, I think the, the Packers need a reliable number two, and I know he hasn't been the performing great so far this year, but he's battled injuries and everything else. But I think last week was his breakout. I think he had 10 targets, um, and he's somebody, you know, he's going to catch a deep ball. So if you get into a pinch, I think down the stretch, he's somebody that Rodgers is going to rely on a little more um, because, you know, he can't just keep going to Adams. He, he has to have somebody down the stretch he can rely on with Tanyan being out. So he's one guy I'm going to target. And then the other guy is DJ Dallas yeah. um, with Rashad Penny pulled hamstring last week. And, and, and Alex Collins, he, he started out well, but lately he's just looked like a plotter, basically. Um, and I think D- DJ Dallas has looked like he's had some pops. I'm interested to see what he can do down the stretch, but he's somebody that I'm going to roster as well. Um, and it's interesting you bring up Valdez Scantling too, because I think he's finally becoming the player that the Packers hoped he would become much earlier in his career. Um, and, and now he's going to, he's making himself some decent money and I don't think it's going to be with the Packers next year, which is so funny because I think the only guys <laughs> they have under contract now next year um, are, um, I think it might just be Amari Rogers. I think Equinemius St. Brown and Valdez Scantling and Adams and, 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 um, and Cobb, I, Malik Taylor, all these guys, I think they're all free agents. So I don't know what green Bay is going to do there. Um, for next year. But yeah, Valdez Scantling, he looked good against Minnesota. He's running more of the route tree. You know, he used to just be a nine route type of guy. And I think over the last, you know, year or so, he's really coming to his own and he's catching the ball. My God, you know, he gets so open. He run past everybody. He's like Clifford Franklin on the replacements, right? You know, he'd get <laughs> open, run past everybody, could never catch the ball. Now he's catching the ball. So I like that uh, uh, bid for sure uh, for you this week. I've actually kept him around on, on my, on my, some of my Kentucky rosters. Um, just because of the, you know, the more emphasis on receiver in that league and, and, uh, plug, plug him in when I could. Um, all right. So that is the waiver wire. Now let's talk about lineups here as we wrap things up on this podcast, an early round pick Craig that you think might uh, deserve to be benched this week, that people are going to be kicking themselves that they didn't bench him. Um, and then a sleeper that not a lot of FFPC high stakes players will have in their lineups, but you think deserves to get the start in week 12 on uh, Turkey weekend. So the early round pick that I I would probably bench this week and a lot of people are going to disagree is AJ Brown coming Mm. off of coming off a game where he suffered a couple different injuries. I don't know how serious they are. I don't think they're going to prevent him from playing. Um, But coming off that game with two, two different injuries and then going up against the Patriots, the Patriots are notorious for taking the other team's top playmaker out of the game. Uh, So I, I just think that spells disaster for him. So I, he is somebody that I would consider benching um, this upcoming week. And then the, there's two guys that I would, I would start without hesitation that I would consider targets or sleepers. One would be uh, Cedric Wilson of the Cowboys um, with Amari Cooper out and looking like um, C.D. Lamb is going to be out as well. I don't know that he's going to clear, clear protocol that quick. Um, I could see – Wilson getting anywhere from seven to 10 targets tomorrow against the Raiders. 
Um, and then the other guys I mentioned earlier is Pat Fryermuth. Um, Big Ben seems to be locking on to him quite a bit, especially in the red zone. So those are those are two guys that I would have no hesitation starting this week. Uh, and just and I lied. One more question because you play Dynasty. What do you, how many AJ Brown shares do you have in Dynasty? Because one of the things about him. So initially, when I drafted him as rookie year in a couple of my leagues, it was like the one one oh eight one oh nine, and I knew that Tennessee wasn't a high volume passing offense, and I was kind of like, well, he's a first round pick. I should probably grab him here. Um, but he's blossomed in, into something, you know, just very beastly and exciting uh, out on the field. But when he's healthy, how much of that has factored into whether you're going after him or whether you're trading him away? How do you handle A.J. Brown and Dynasty knowing that he does leave so many games, you know, at least for the remainder of the game or, or at least momentarily and missing some valuable snaps? How do you handle him in Dynasty? Yeah, he can be pretty frustrating, but I, I do own quite a few shares of him. Uh, the one thing with Brian Valenti is he's a big Titans fan. So, right. and then coming out of coming out of Old Miss, I actually liked AJ Brown a little more than DK Metcalf, even though he went to the Titans. That kind of I probably would have owned more had he gone somewhere other than the Titans. But yeah, he's he's still somebody that I'm actively targeting um, because when he does play and he's healthy I mean he's one of the one of the top wide receivers talent wise in my opinion um but yeah he's still definitely somebody that I'll target uh going forward in dynasty and whenever we look for high stakes fantasy football advice we always target Craig Bodenuller the 43rd place team owner in the FFPC main event uh thank you so much for uh for letting me pick your brain on on so many of these topics this week Craig I hope the ball bounces your way hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving and good luck uh, for the remainder of the season in, in chasing that $500,000 grand prize, dude. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully I can talk to you again here in another couple of months when I've brought home one of these tournaments. But I, I appreciate it, and I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving and a happy birthday. Yes, thank you so much. I, I certainly appreciate that. And and you have an open invitation. If, if you score one of these, uh, either the main event uh, title or the FPC title, uh, for sure we're having you back on, and you're going to tell us how you did it. All right, that sounds great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com we'd love to hear what you think and follow us on twitter at rotovizradio and remember you can always support the show by subscribing to rotoviz at a 10 percent discount through the nfl podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.